Artistic expression, the challenges and the blessings of producing a virtual Christmas pageant during a pandemic, and any other topics that may spring up along the way as part of that conversation. And joining me for this conversation today is a very special guest to the Vine podcast, the director and producer of the Vine's own virtual Christmas pageant, Jason Martin. <laughs> Hi, it's great, great to be here. Thanks for having me on to promote my new project. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why people go on podcasts, right? To uh, that's right uh-huh. <laughs> to promote a book, an album, speaking tour, or virtual Christmas pageant. So that's right. We're yeah, grateful. so so, we're, so we're here. We're going to talk about that, and yeah, uh, pretty soon I'll I'll uh, be on the publicity tour. So you're my first stop on the publicity tour. Well, we're honored. So. <laughs> um. Well, let's kind of start. Well, we'll, let's start there with the pageant itself. And if you're listening to to this, hopefully you've had a chance to watch it. If not, if you plan to watch it, it may make more sense to watch the pageant first before listening to this conversation. Not that, uh, you know, I'm guessing most of our listeners sort of know the Christmas story. So, not that anything would be shocking to you or that there would be spoilers in the story about how it ends or anything. But but some of it may make sense. I don't know. Maybe not. But we, we watched it as part of our worship service on Sunday, and we thought we'd spend some time talking about that today. So, Jason, just to kind of kick us off with that, can you just kind of share your thoughts overall just about the process of putting this together in this season? Because I know I think you've talked in some different places and settings about how this is something we talked about last year. And, and, you know, of course, before we knew what 2020 was going to bring, we talked about wanting to do a pageant again this Christmas season and, and still wanted to attempt that even with the pandemic. And so this script and this opportunity presented us the, the chance to do that. So can you just kind of share your overall thoughts on the process, um, how you kind of experienced it and, and how you think it went? As we began to get closer to the time where we would need to start working on this, um it was clear that we weren't going to be able to do the kind of Christmas pageant that you and I had talked about possibly doing um, right. before, which was going to be a you know more traditional in-person pageant in, at the church with everybody on the stage and and doing that. Um, <clears throat> that that just wasn't going to be responsible. There would be no way really to rehearse and to get that put together, and and even if we did. There are enough people that were, you know, who would be uncomfortable coming in, even watching something like that, that um, that was just going to be challenging to the point of impossible. So I I had the idea, well, maybe we could do something over Zoom. I had heard about various like professional theater companies who, um, because they couldn't like have their normal live show stage shows were producing online content a lot of which was over uh, zoom or remotely or maybe one person would film one part from their home and then someone else would film another part from their home and so i knew that was a thing in theater communities and so 
uh, I thought maybe we could do that for a Christmas pageant. And I was thinking I would just kind of write a very basic script with different scenes and, uh, and recruit people to record that in their home and we'd put it together and it'd be a fun little thing. Um, but then you went online and I think, uh, this is a company that you've, uh, used before illustrated ministry that they had created a prepackaged uh, virtual Christmas pageant, which included the script and the graphics and kind of a, uh, a walkthrough of how to do something like this. And, uh, and you let me know about that. And I said, that is perfect. That's exactly what I'm looking for. That, that saves me a ton of time and, and probably would do a better job than I certainly could do a better job than I could in putting something like that together. And so, um, and so once I got that, you know, you bought it and sent it to me, I read through it, looked through the material and thought, oh yeah, we could totally do this. And so then it was just a matter of kind of just facilitating that, uh, recruiting people to, who are willing to, to do that. Um, and, and then just com compiling it and putting it together. And overall, I'd say it went pretty smoothly. Um, I think the biggest thing I was worried about was, you know, I, I, I'm pretty tech savvy. I can, I, I can figure out my way around pretty much any computer program and uh, anything related to technology. I feel like even if I may not master it, I can at least do something adequate. Um, but I know that there are other people who feel a lot more intimidated <laughs> by something like that and, and would not feel comfortable doing that. So my biggest concern was to what degree would people be willing to record themselves? Um, well, and the other part is a lot of people don't like seeing themselves on camera. Um, and, and so when you're doing something live, you don't have to watch yourself do it live typically. Right. Whereas if you're re recording it and you're going to be on camera, uh, you know, at some point, presumably you're going to watch the thing you produced. Uh, and so it, it, you know, you're going to have to watch yourself on camera. And a lot of people don't like doing that. I honestly, I don't like doing that. Um, you know, I've had to be on camera for various things in my job and in just videos that I've made or been a part of. And I don't like seeing myself. Um, actually, you'll notice that I don't appear on camera at all during the Christmas pageant. So um, that was, I assure you that was just a coincidence though. Well, I think the other, the other challenge of it is I think, and I heard Rowan Atkinson, I may have mentioned this before on this space, but Rowan Atkinson, I heard him say at the beginning of the pandemic, kind of that he, um, he, he greatly prefers, stage acting in a, as opposed to screen movie TVs sure. stuff because he yeah. said when you're when you're doing it when you're doing it in front of a camera there's always that thought of I can do that a little better I could do it a little differently and he said there's always this fear that he has of like someone watching it and being like that's the take that he decided to go with like um and I had mm. that same thought preaching to cam like to the camera instead of doing it live like I always had the thought at the beginning of well, I could have done this part a little better or differently. And, and that thought of somebody's going to watch it and be like, that's the one he decided to go with. So, so it does present different challenges anytime you're doing it with a camera in a lot of different ways, I think. Well, I'm sure a lot of the, our volunteers who were actors in the uh, production had the same thought. 
Like, yeah. oh, why did you use that clip? Or and and frankly, actually, uh, I had my wife help me kind of proofread uh, the thing. So uh, the other night, um, I had her asked her if she would sit down and watch it all the way through, just to make sure that there wasn't any kind of glaring problems. That uh, there's some text that's on screen sometimes, so check for misspellings and that kind of thing. And so she watched it through. And, you know, she's in a very small part at the end when the women are reciting the Magnificat. She's one of, of many women who are part of that, that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> you know, she kept saying, oh, I, we need to re-record that. That was a bad sweater for me to wear. I shouldn't have worn that. And, <laughs> and what is that in the background behind me? We need to clear that up. No, we need to re-record. And I was like, you're kidding, right? She's like, no, I'm serious. But then she eventually relented because by that point, the entire thing was done. <laughs> and I was like, no, we can't re-record. Yeah, the camera just, part, but... just provides all kinds of different challenges. Well, yeah. and you mentioned you mentioned illustrated ministry. And for those who uh, remember back to something we did earlier in the pandemic, we did a a coloring project of putting together a bunch of yeah. different panels that and, and different people colored you know one page that we put together as part of this large mural that was around easter i guess yep. and i think you wanted also, you originally wanted to have it done for easter sunday yeah and but, i think we did it for the sunday after that or yeah something i think like it was that. i think it came together the sunday after that but yeah that was really cool i really liked that project too and so that was also from Illustrated Ministry, same the same company, and and I think the the commonality, the, or the common element between both of these projects that I think has been beneficial for from a pandemic social distancing standpoint is that it provided they they both provided opportunities for us to work on something collectively or to work on something on our own, uh, sort of in our own homes, in our own spaces, on our own time that would come together as this sort of communal effort. And and it was a reminder for me, this this pageant was a reminder for me that we we we, we could probably do well to keep looking for opportunities to do that. And and you know, I remember being struck by the ways that that that, that the coloring project had an impact on those who were a part of it. And, and the responses I got from those people that said it was so cool to see, because you couldn't, in a lot of the pieces of that project, you couldn't tell what the finished product was going to be when you were working on your one little piece. And to see that then come together and to see how your part fit in with the larger picture of what everyone else was doing, I think was really impactful. And I think this uh, may have been the same, you know, of course, we're, you and I have seen it as we're recording this, others haven't seen it, so we don't know how others will <laughs> receive it or respond to it. Yeah, but, by the time they're listening to this, they've heard it, but or, or they've seen it. But uh, yeah, we don't know exactly what the reception will be. That's right. Yeah, but I think I can see a similar reaction happening for people because that was kind of you know my thought was as we're recording our one little piece of it, like how is this going to fit into the larger picture, the larger narrative, and and I think that was cool to see. And so I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to that of like the ways in which this helps to foster community and a sense of sort of shared accomplishment in a season where where we don't get those uh those opportunities as often perhaps yeah the um i was struck by that as i was editing the video and i was as i was putting everything together is that you know each scene for the most part features a different 
uh, household or occasionally two households from our church community. Um, and many times these are households that have not been able to come together at all uh, over the majority of 2020, um, you know, really since, since March. And, it, you know, I, I am, had been so used to seeing all these people together in one place that it was striking to see them all in one place in this video because they haven't been in one place in so long. Mm -hmm. um, even though we we kind of resumed we've resumed in person worship for um, what about a month and a half or two months now, um, it, it's been very limited, very small. There's still a lot of our regular members who aren't coming back, and that's great. That's fine if if they need to um, worship from home. Um, but this video allowed me to see how our church family really still comes together and um, and it really highlighted first of all I think in some ways the sadness of the uh, 2020 that we have been you know um, apart so much that we haven't been able to uh, to be together as a group physically be together as a group in some time but it also kind of showed me the um, I, I guess resilience might be a word um, you know, we're a pretty small church anyway. And so, uh, you know, if you have um, a sizable portion of your membership, you know, just not coming on Sunday morning for any reason, uh, you know, that's going to that's going to look small. It's going to look like, wow, where did everybody go? And, and I mean, we all understand right now where people are and it's not a mystery and it's not a, um, you know, it's not a tragedy or anything that that they're not coming. The greater tragedy is more the pandemic in general. Um, but, but this video kind of reminded me that, that we are still the same community, or at least we, we still come together and we still do things together. And, and I think um, I, I mentioned that I asked my wife, Carrie, to screen uh, the video before I, you know, kind of put the finish, before I finished it. And that was what jumped out to her was she just said it was really cool to see every family doing their scene and uh, and everyone coming together for this, you know, 22 minute video in a way that really we haven't come together since uh, late February, early March. Um, and so that community aspect of it was 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 really impressive. And I think um, you know, hopefully if, if, you know, when we're able to move past this time of pandemic and when we're able to, you know, when people do feel comfortable coming back together uh, as a church and, and worshiping together on Sunday morning, you know, we'll still have this video as a, a positive reminder that the church building is not the church. That, you know, as the, as the old saying goes, you know, the church is you, um, the people. And I, I think this video kind of helps demonstrate that and embody it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think, I think it's a positive um, experience and venture and, and project for sure. And I'm, I'm grateful for, for all the work that, that you put into it. I think it turned out really well. I'm, I'm grateful for the, the care and, and, uh, and thought that, that all the, the participants put into it. And I know it, I know it had to be a lot of time and effort and energy on energy on your part. Um, 
It did. The, the, it, it, it actually did take a lot of time. Um, the good news is that because, you know, I teach at a university and we're in between semesters right now, I had a little bit extra time to do that. And I kind of added it up in terms of the time it took me to work on this. Yeah, there was some time kind of facilitating the early stuff of, you know, giving, providing instructions, emailing materials. Um, we had an online Zoom meeting just with anybody who could attend. And all that took some amount of time. Uh, but really, the majority of the time I spent working on it was um, two or, or, you know, a couple of Sundays ago. I think the first Sunday in December, uh, I filmed a couple of scenes at the church with some families who did who weren't able to film it themselves so we just you know recorded at the church um and then other than that the most time i spent on it was basically thursday friday saturday and sunday and monday so basically thursday through monday or tuesday of last week yeah actually it was through tuesday so i guess those five or six days I spent a lot of time on it each of those days. Actually, Sunday, yeah, was was probably less because I was doing some other things. Um, but, you know, I was thinking that for like two solid weeks, I might have to be working on this. And that really wasn't the case. It was really more like five or six days for a long period of time. And normally I wouldn't be able to do that. But just this is just is the right time of year that I had the time to, to put into that. And it helped that I was having fun. You know, if you're putting in a lot of time into something, it's easier when it's fun. And oh, this sure, was a yeah. lot of fun for me. So much fun to just be working with that and, and seeing, okay, how can I make this scene, um, you know, a little bit, you know, pop a little bit more? Is there music that would work to put underneath this scene? Or, you know, how do I want this transition to the next scene to go? Or is there a sound effect that works well here or works there? You know, all that kind of stuff, those kinds of questions were fun for me to explore and play around with. Mm-hmm, yeah. And and I, I, I wanna come back to, to some of that, but I wanted I wanted to hit part of what you'd said earlier too, because I do think it was, it was fun, it was positive, it was all of those things, but you mentioned that it kind of also highlighted the sadness of 2020, which, which I think is, um, is, is good to remember. And I hadn't necessarily thought of it as watching it, but when you said that, it did make me think that, you know, there are, there are going to be people who watch this, who, who have not, for instance, heard Rosemary or Jenny speak as articulately as they do in that video. That's right. Um, and there, there are people who probably haven't heard them speak you know, speak since March, right? And mm -hmm. and at that point, they were much less vocal, at least, you know, especially when they were uh, present at, at gatherings and things. And Well, and some of that is, is the shyness of little kids that, you know, sure, yeah. they're so it's, it's a both. little bit... It's both. Yeah, it's it's yeah. that they're almost a year older and they're kindergartners now and, and yeah. they're just much more articulate in and of that combined with the fact that, that yeah, they, they typically were, were just not very, very vocal at, at the gatherings anyways. And so all of that um, just probably pops pretty strongly if, if you haven't seen them since March. Uh, and, and the same way in a very, you know, to a to a different extent with like, Regan and Aiden and and Zeke um, and Jasmine and and the, the teens who were a part of it, that you can, 
you can see maturity and growth and just the, the difference in them as well compared to, you know, when we were previously meeting. And so that's that yeah, on one hand. I hadn't hand thought about is, that, but that's a good is point. exciting and, and it's neat to see, but there is also this this sadness of, of what was missed over the last year of getting to ex- of, of the things that you would normally, I think, sort of take for granted and and maybe look past of getting to watch watch our young people grow together has has been missed and and I do hope that you know we we talked about we and we've talked about in this podcast things that we hope we carry forward and I I do hope there's some of that that maybe we don't we don't take for granted as much and and that we try to pay attention to going forward um cuz I do think there there may be a little an element of grief and and a reminder of, of, of the cost of 2020. Right. And you know, that's something that, um, certainly is not unique to, uh, to our church. You know, I, I know I've heard from people, uh, who haven't seen their grandkids since March and, you know, especially for the younger grandkids, you know, they're growing exponentially and changing and maturing and, you know, they're going from babies to, you know, little, little children and, and kids and, and going from little kids to teenagers and from teenagers into adults. And, um, you know, for, for us, for people, you and me, like you and me, uh, you know, it was a crazy, you know, not great year, but it was just, you know, it was just a few months, you know, a few months go by like nothing. Uh, for for us, uh, but for kids, it's you know a huge, almost not a lifetime, but but a sizable chunk of their life. You know, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that is something lost that that I I hadn't really thought about. But you're absolutely right about it. Mm-hmm. Well, so I want to also I want to talk about the script itself for a minute because the script was certainly much more lighthearted than a traditional Christmas pageant would be. Yes. And uh, I think, I hope that was received well by everyone. I hope it was not seen as um, yeah. making light of or anything like that. I think it's, it, it was an attempt at a joyful uh, expression of it, which I enjoyed and I, I think is actually very fitting for the season. Like, we need some lightheartedness, right? Let's, let's just do something that's fun and and that's having some fun with this story and telling it telling it in a different way um and as far as kind of how we perceive some of these things and and I was I was wondering your perspective just on that and and the thought that I had was do you think that the the forum that we had to do this in because it was virtual do you think that kind of presented more of an opportunity for some of that like would it seems like maybe if you're doing a traditional pageant like in person, maybe some of that wouldn't be as easy to to pull off or to do. I don't know. Like it seems like the the, the format kind of provides itself for some flexibility there in how you tell the story and and some of the lighthearted elements that we were able to incorporate into it or that illustrated ministry kind of incorporated into it in, in the script that they wrote for it. Yeah, so there are a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, around that question. First is the, the forum that, you know, the, the vehicle that we're using to tell this story uh, definitely played a large role in that. 
Um, and I'm not just talking about it being video as opposed to live. I'm also talking about the way uh, different families and households more or less were able to take the rain and record it however they wanted to record it. And a lot of a lot of households, you know, I was or a lot of scenes, I was not involved in the actual recording of the scenes at all. I wasn't involved in the direction of how to say a particular line or anything like that. People would just record their scenes. They would send the raw footage to me and then it was my job to edit it and put it together, which is the way I designed it. I, 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 I explicitly made it clear that, uh, that families and households could do that if they chose to do so and some chose to do so. Um, and so because of that, uh, I would get footage and I would go, man, I really would like to reshoot this. Is it worth kind of contacting that family and saying, hey, could you do this again? Because they probably th thought, okay, we did this. We sent it to Jason. It's now done. You know, check that to-do item off of our list. Um, and, or even if it was, it was like little stuff, it would be like if I had actually been physically present or at least virtually present during the filming, I definitely would have said, okay, can you say the line in this way? Or, you know, at this part, you know, look up at this particular angle or, you know, here, here's how I want you to deliver it or, you know, put a little pause. You know, I would have done like actual stage directing, directing. Uh, but I didn't have the opportunity to, and that was fine. That was by design that I didn't have the opportunity to. Um, and so I had to kind of ask myself, is it worth going back to uh, the family and saying, hey, could you do this again? Um, and and there, in fact, there was only one, and I won't say where it is, but there was only one part where I did actually go back and say, hey, could we reshoot this? And they were very good and... Uh, very, you know, happy to, to reshoot it. And I was really glad that they did. Uh, I think it turned out better. But um, that was one thing I had to work with. The other part, and I think this gets to more the question that you're asking, um, is that when you're kind of filming in isolation, um, you don't have other people around you necessarily to say, mm, is that the right approach? Uh, is that the right tone you want to set? So, for instance, um, you know, Mary is played by my daughter, Regan, and the angel, Gabriel, is played by my son, Aiden. And they have a scene together where Gabriel, you know, tells Mary that she's pregnant, going to give birth to the Son of God and all that kind of stuff. And we recorded that, um, you know, by ourselves up at the church. Honestly, we were in a bit of a hurry. Um, my daughter, you know, had some other stuff she needed to do that day, and so... She didn't have a lot of patience to, uh, to, to kind of do a lot of retakes. Um, and so we, we recorded it and it was kind of funny. And then we get home and I'm editing it together and I'm going, is this a little too irreverent? Uh, is this a little too casual? Um, and that's definitely an instance where I actually was there and I could have done this, but we were kind of in a hurry and I wasn't thinking about it. But I, I really wish I had taken the time, or at, when I was editing it, I thought, I wish I had taken the time to really direct Regan in how she was portraying Mary. Um, I think she was she was doing it very funny and, um, 
and and very casual and uh you know and she's 15 and and you know she's she had other things on her mind that day so she was like yeah okay we'll do this we'll record it we'll get out we'll go move on she wasn't putting a lot of thought into it and this is a story that i think has a lot of depth and Mm -hmm. that we we're probably doing it a disservice if we just kind of record it and move on. And that was, I think, my fault for for not kind of cons- uh, for not kind of shaping that a little bit better. Um, but then, as we were editing it, I was like, "Oh, is this a little too casual? Is this a little too irreverent? This scene in particular." And I don't know. Maybe it's because it's my kids, and I'm the one kind of editing all this together. But I just thought. That was the one scene where I thought, uh, I don't know that this strikes the right tone. Um, But again, by that point, it was kind of too late. I knew that my daughter would have revolted if I had said, we need to reshoot this. Yeah. Well, in fact, there was one part that we, uh, a part of the script that we completely forgot to record when we recorded her part that day. And we had to go back and do again. And she was already... I mean, she's a trooper, and she kind of went along with it. She had agreed to do this. Um, and so it's not that she was complaining or anything, but uh, but I, I could tell that she was like, okay, all right, we'll, do, we'll go do this one part that we forgot to do, fine. Well, but I think... I think the tone fits with the rest of the script in that it kind of is a little bit of a lighthearted, you know, uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek, but... but uh, in, in certain places. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the Mary scene is the first one that hits you. And so if you're expecting kind of the traditional telling of it, then, then maybe it stands out a little more if you're not, if you're not kind of familiar with the way the rest of the script is going to go. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about the fact that it's, it's really the first scene where you go, Oh, this is that kind this of, is, this is going to be that, that and, kind of pageant. Jenny's, Jenny's part kind of sets the scene for that when she talks about screws in her eyes and things like that, yeah. you know, as part of fears <laughs> that she has. So you kind of get a little inkling of that. And, and certainly even with Gabriel's per, persona that he takes on you, you, but it, um, yeah, it, it hits you from the beginning. But, but I think the thing that, you know, with art, and maybe this can be kind of a transition to, to sort of how we think about art, too, and, and kind of artistic expression. Because there's always, like, what, what art, like, the, the actual representation of it, and then what it's supposed to communicate, like, what you feel in that, right? And, and to me, what, it, what that sort of communicated and, and the interpretive element of it was, I think it brings out the teenage aspect of Mary very well in a way that is some, sometimes missed in in a lot of our tellings of it, right? Like we want Mary to be this solemn, wise, uh, and, you know, just kind of um, very put together right. picture of, of peace and tranquility. We want her but to be she's... a fully formed kind of mature adult. Right, yeah. But she's a teenager who has no idea what's going on and is literally deeply troubled when the angel first, first speaks to her. And so what would, you know, what would a deeply troubled teenager who doesn't understand this greeting that's coming to her, you know, maybe some of those elements are, are, are in that picture. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, I think the part that we may have missed, though, is I, I don't get a sense of her deep troubledness in our production, uh, <laughs> but that's okay. Maybe that's all right. That's okay. Like I said, I think once you're through with it, it, it fits with the overall theme of the... Um, 
I mean, Herod didn't use a phone either, so, you know, we can... Right. Uh, <laughs> oh, wasn't that great? That part just yeah. cracked me up every single time I watched yeah. it. Every time he picks good. up that phone and, and turns turns around and says, excuse me, yeah. uh, you know, Zoe kind of laughs in that part, and I just laugh right along with her. That's per- It's a perfect part. Yeah, and I thought, you know, to, to me, I thought about the, the kind of the opportunities that the that the forum provides, particularly even because of our scene that we did, when Isley's favorite line of everything that we did was when she gets to to tap on the on the camera screen uh. and say, "Is this is this thing on? Am I on mute?" You know, that was her favorite line, um, and she played and it perfectly too. Pulls, and her facial expressions, back. yeah, <laughs> yeah, pulls the curtain back on the like, yes, we're doing this all on Zoom because our uh-huh. part literally was on Zoom, as you said. You know, we were. We were planning to do that together with the Allens, but but because of we're in this pandemic time when people are in quarantine at certain times, we needed to be in, in separate places. Right. And and so we were literally doing it on Zoom, but but it kind of pulled back that curtain and and yeah, we're this is different. And and I think I don't know. There was this part of me that felt like that script and that way of approaching it just sort of. Um, felt more natural in that environment than it might have if you're doing it live. Um, not that there's not a way to do that if you're doing it live, but but I think it fit. Um, but yeah, the, it, to kind of go back to your original question, the one thing that I was worried about in terms of how people would receive this was would they consider this too irreverent, too casual, too kind of ignorant of the gravity of the story and too dismissive of the seriousness of the topic. And I I could definitely see someone having that approach. I think where I ultimately came down though was kind of what you said, that um, this is a year unlike any other that any of us have really been through um, with the pandemic in particular. And, and not just with the pandemic, but a lot of the things going on in the country that are just very dark. Um, you know, just a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear uh, running rampant in, uh, in, in, our, in our culture right now. And I think ultimately I decided, is it a little irreverent? I, I don't think so, but I think I could see how someone might see it that way. But what it is, and I think that for a time like this, this is most important, it's joyful and it's celebratory and it's um, optimistic. Um, and I think nowhere captures that more. And this is why I did the last scene, the final scene, the Magnificat, where we have, you know, started by uh, Mary you know, my daughter who plays Mary started by her, but then contributed to by a number of different women from our church, um, reciting the Magnificat, extolling the, the wonders of the Lord and extolling his power and, uh, protection over, uh, the lowly. And, um, that to me speaks of the kind of optimism and the kind of joy that, we really need at this time. Um, and so is it a little irreverent? Um, again, I don't think it crosses the line, 
but I could see how someone would think of it that way. But if ever there was a time to lean on the side of optimism and lean on the side of joy, lean on the side of, you know, God has this under control. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I will fear no evil. Uh, this is a time to do that. So I want to talk about kind of shifting gears from the specifics of this pageant kind of to artistic expression in general, because I know that, uh, so I know theater is a, is a passion of yours and, um, you even were well you double majored in, in, in as an undergrad in theater and youth ministry right isn't that what you said yeah. yeah um and so and I know that's continued to be an interest of yours and a passion of yours and I think it's something that one of those things you know we, we've talked about this with several different topics we probably haven't always fully realized the, the value of that in spiritual disciplines and realms and worship settings and and things like that some groups have more than others but but i wonder if you can just kind of maybe speak to that for a minute of of how you see artistic expression uh benefiting us and and helping us to develop and grow and mature spiritually and are there connections there that that we don't always kind of fully realize yeah i think that's that's a good question so i think at its at its heart, and and I suspect that other people might disagree with me, but I believe at its heart, art is about emotion, regardless of what it is, whether it's visual art, performing arts, um, you know, if you're talking about music, movies, television shows, any kind of art is about emotion. It's about evoking a feeling um, through a story or through an image. Um, it's about emo evoking an emotion. Um, and our emotions are deeply tied to our spiritual nature. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of, a lot of times we want to ignore or want to pretend doesn't exist. And so we can get very heady, you know, we can get very academic, um, which there's a place for that. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I'm, I'm, you know, as much as anybody else, like to get into the weeds of scripture and like to kind of parse words and and look at the Greek and what does this actually mean and and what's the you know we we almost become uh, somewhat bureaucratic in how we look at uh, the role of God in our lives and I think art in worship is a counterbalance to that you know that's in my opinion I don't know if this is you know necessarily why it's the case but this is why i believe you know a typical worship service that includes a sermon as well as some worship music as well as um you know prayers i mean most christian worship service will include those elements it'll have music it will have a sermon of some kind it will have prayer um, and scripture reading. And I think all of those elements are elements that bring a different degree of emotion and a different degree of kind of analytical nature to the worship experience. And I think that's a good thing to have. That's a good balance to have. Um, aside from the music and worship, though, very often we, unless we intentionally bring it in, there isn't a lot of that artistic expression. 
Um, and, and, and in some churches that I've been to, that even that part, the music, has become very formulaic and has right. become very uh, stagnant and unemotional. And I think that there is a place, as much as there's a place for Bible study and as much as there's a place for uh, exegesis and as much as there's a place for, um, you know, kind of parsing out uh, you know, what, what is it that God is trying to tell us or how is it that we are to live our lives and to, you know, kind of those more day-to-day practical aspects of religious life. I think there's also a significant place, and yeah, I think a lot of it may be untapped, of looking at how can we tap into the more ethereal or, or um, kind of spiritual emotional more more charismatic ways in which uh our our faith can be understood and expressed and and grown uh and so the arts i think provide a wonderful way to do that in lots of different ways visual art i think is a big big one there that's one that isn't as that i don't feel as called to myself but I know a lot of people are, and, and there's wonderful, incredible artwork throughout history that, uh, that, that is built around uh, religiosity or spirituality and, and expressing oneself uh, and their faith through art, um, through visual art. Uh, I think music obvious, is a very obvious one and has been used, you know, forever uh, since you know, as, as long as we can tell, but storytelling, I mean, I think a lot of the stories that are in the Bible, um, you know, started out as oral storytellings. I think it's fair to say that even going back to the creation story, uh, everything in Genesis, you know, it, Genesis wasn't written down and that's the first time anybody had heard those stories. Those had been oral stories, um, that had been told for generations prior to being written down. Um, and so that, you know, in a sense of the day, that was, that was movie making, that was stagecraft uh, of its time. So any kind of um, artistic expression can be used in that way. Um, so, so movies, stage, uh, in a lot of churches, you have puppet ministries, um, uh, you know, podcasts, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of church related and religious uh, podcasts, not, you know, yeah, ours, but there are plenty more than our than ours that do this kind of thing, um, and so and sometimes that can get a little heady. I know that on our um, on our podcast sometimes we get fairly academic, uh, but hopefully there is uh, an emotional expression that comes across right now uh, in in what we say and and in how we and the topics that we're pursuing. And yeah, I think that that art. Uh, to whatever degree it is untapped, I, I think that that there is always an artistic way to worship God and to express one's spiritual nature. Um, and, and I think it's just as legitimate as things like Bible study and uh, looking at, you know, God's will in your life and, and how does God want you to live your life. I think that's important, but I think artistic expression and finding ways to to have God embody you in a way that is difficult to describe and is difficult to understand 
but is very real and very powerful and very felt. I think all of that is is just as legitimate. Yeah, and and what I was thinking, you know, when you talked about the creation account, like what is the creation account but but God creating art, right? I mean, you could you could certainly see it that way. I, I yeah. think, and. And you can go forward through all that. I mean, even in, in the birth story of Jesus, you know, Mary sings a song. Like, that's her expression. That's her response to it after her visit with, with Elizabeth is is the Magnificat, which you referenced earlier. And so this is a, it's a creative, artistic expression. Um, and and I think that the benefit is it, it helps it helps create experiences and, and moments. And, you know, I think about that. I often think about that moment with Peter where he has the vision of, you know, the, the animals coming down and, and, you know, God could have just told him the message that he wanted Peter to get across. Mm-hmm. But God basically, like, puts on this play, sort of. He does this mm-hmm. artistic rendering expression of it to make the point. And yeah. it, it hits with Peter differently than it probably would have if God had just come and told him, hey, everything's clean, now you're good. Uh, it, it had, a, it had a, a deeper, more felt, more emotional impact, I would have to think. Well, look at the entire book of Revelation, you know, what what, uh, John is describing in that book is something that he could have written out uh, pretty directly. And frankly, if he had written it out more directly, then, you know, people probably wouldn't have been so obsessed with that book over the centuries. Uh, But 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 no, he, he uses some pretty vivid imagery and he uses some pretty vivid language to i mean even beginning before he talks starts talking about the visions you know when he's talking about the the different you know the different letters to the various churches in uh in asia those churches and the and what he's saying to them is very vivid and he's using incredible imagery even through that and then when he gets into the bulk of of the the book of revelation with such dramatic and violent and uh, confusing imagery, that apocalyptic imagery, um, just throughout. That that's a, a form of storytelling and art that has been, you know, drawn that people have drawn upon for artistic endeavors, both music and and um, and, and visual art for you know ever ever since. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know there's. Um... There's much that 2020 has taught us, and and I won't spend much time on this today, but but because I in part because I'm I'm going to come back to it in another podcast or sermon or something. But I think it has. What I hope it will do for me is help to move a lot of things from the kind of conceptual headspace to practicality and um, and practical usage, because I think there 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 are several things just about life and church that I've kind of always believed conceptually but struggled to put into practice that that 2020 has forced in some ways and kind of helped I think to to see the relevance of and and I think artistic expression and, and creativity and things like that in worship experiences is certainly part of that because the Zoom or I mean the the YouTube worship services provided opportunities for some of that in a more natural way and just the switch in venue like caused me and and us collectively to to think outside of kind of our normal frame of of reference and thought for for what a worship service is and and so it provided me opportunities to do things in sermons like use a green screen uh and 
you know, preach from different locations at certain times when, when the sermon kind of called for that and, and to bring in different elements from the sermon and to have Maxine, you know, paint over one of our worship sets and, and to bring in different videos and things like that, that it just, uh, it, it, it provided maybe more natural outlet for some of that, that I hope we continue. And I think actually, you know, when we made the switch back to in-person, we sort of sacrificed some of that creativity for right. a season because now our emphasis has been on, okay, how do we do this in person and online? What are the logistics that we have to get right? So there's a lot that we've just kind of trying to be, be figure out on that end of it. And in addition to, you know, we've got people from week to week who have to quarantine or we have to social distance and some of that. And But I hope going forward, uh, it's, it's going to be a goal of mine to keep some of that um, creativity and, and openness to, to form... And, and things like that. And I think this pageant is sort of evidence of that because I know even for me, like it, on one hand, you think about like incorporating a pageant into a worship service. It's like, well, does that really fit? Like that doesn't, that doesn't fit the order of worship that we have typically, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in 2020, it felt much less disruptive, I think, to me. Like, well, you know, we've been doing different stuff all year. Yeah. And so in some we've in had some bigger ways, disruptions than this. Right. In some ways I, I think 2020 has helped to break some of that and has helped to kind of open our minds up, or at least for me personally, to to just kind of what we've been holding on to, what we've been believing, what I've been believing conceptually but not always putting into practice. Um, what are some things that, that we've just kind of been that I've been holding on to that, that maybe um, could take some reimagining and and um you know even as we were talking about artistic expression i was i was thinking about there are very few like wednesday night classes that i just remember the the specifics of you know there are a few that stand out but one of them that stands out is the one that marcia did and i think you were there jason where she brought all those cards uh oh yeah like that had art those on postcards them. with artwork postcards on it postcards with art from different yeah. kind of times and periods and i remember that and and had us do several things with those cards and was very different. Wasn't like anything I had, you know, experienced in a Bible class before. But I remember like the things that we talked about in there and the to to your point about emotions, like the way that some of those art and those artistic expressions made me feel and, and the response that they brought and and the ways that she connected that to things and and I thought it was very well done. And, and those things do stand out when we experience them and, and they have an impact. All right. Well, we've, we've probably talked around that enough for today. Uh, um, uh, well, I, I am appreciative of, of your work and effort putting this together. I hope it's received well and enjoyed by others. And I certainly enjoyed watching it and, and think that, that others will as well. So Thanks. It, was a good, it was a good experience. Well, and, and like I've said a few times, I don't know if anybody will enjoy watching it as much as I enjoyed making it, but I hope that it's at least a, a fra you know, uh, I, I hope people enjoy watching it, but it, it was, it was a really great and rewarding experience for me personally. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm going to close us in prayer for today and then we'll, we'll be done for our time. Our Father in heaven, thank you for creating us as creative beings. Help us to remember that when we are creative, we, we are reflecting your image. 
that we are are expressing a godlike quality about us. Help us to see the value in our own creativity and the creativity of those around us. Help us in this Christmas season, God, to uh, to seek experiences with you, experiences with our families, experiences with those around us in in ways that that may be possible and safe in this strange time. Experiences that that grow us, that stretch us, that deepen our our love and our sense of community and our sense of of appreciation for for Jesus and what his birth represents in our lives and in our families and our communities and for our world. Thank you, God, for the good news of Christ that brings joy for all the people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on.